morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's your boy, Eddie D, and I'm certainly glad to be among you guys on this morning and hope that you're having a fantastic start to your week and fantastic start to your morning. Certainly grateful for every person that's coming on to the live and pray that this morning show gives you something to just inspire you to move forward throughout your day and to have um, and to have your eyes stayed on Jesus. Uh, we're going to be talking today about the shooting that happened in the state of Maine um, and some of, some of the impact that that has had on us as a people, especially as the people of God on today. We're also going to be talking about um, not despising the pain points as part of our sanctification session on this morning. We're going to answer the question, will there be sin in heaven? That was asked in the chat not too long ago. And we're also going to be talking about how California is once again leading the way um, when it comes to um, public safety and public well-being as they have created an ebony alert for missing black children. We're going to start our morning off today. Um, talking about um, the book Gods at War in, 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 in beginning our series on the book Gods at War by Kyle Adelman. Uh, we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into our morning, our morning musing for today. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, God, that you thought it not Robert to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you through this morning show. We're asking, Lord God, that you just decrease us all in flesh that you may increase in spirit. Render to us words that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free on today. Lord God, we send a special prayer to those who, are, who have been impacted and affected in the Israel-Hamas-Palestine conflict. And ask, Lord God, that you just be with them all in a mighty and powerful way. Um, bring resolution and peace to that situation. And Lord God, be with the families of those who have been impacted and affected. Um, and we're just so grateful, God, for what you are going to do in that place for your namesake. We also ask a special prayer for those who were affected and impacted by the shooting that took place in Maine and the shooting that took place in Florida yesterday, Lord God. We're just asking for your special blessing upon all these people, Lord God, who have been affected and impacted by senseless violence and senseless carnage on today. Lord God, we're just asking that you just remind them, Lord, that they... um are loved by you and that nothing has caught you by surprise or off guard and that God you are in all going through and, and with all and through all on today Lord God we just ask and pray that this show be lifted up to you today Lord God that everything that we say and everything that we do today Lord God may be a reflection of who you are and what you have done in the world Lord God we're just grateful and we give your name praise glory and honor we also send a special prayer to our friend here at the show, um, who is Ashe on today, Lord God, um, and her family situation that she has going on right now, Lord. We're asking and praying that you just be a blessing upon her family as well and help her to be able to get through her time of bereavement on today, Lord. We're just, again, grateful and give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you guys again are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord and hope that we're able to say something to you today that will edify your souls on today. And for those who are not a part of the kingdom of God, we hope that we're able to say something that will plant the seed of faith in your heart that you may grow to love, honor, bless, and uh, love, honor, and bless God in both duty and to light. And again, we'll just be so thankful for everything that God decides to do on today because we know that he is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. And we're just looking forward to whatever it is that he's going to do in Jesus' name name on today. 
Now, let me flip this camera on around so that way I can show you guys. Um, we are starting a new series on today. Last week we finished our series entitled um, uh, Spiritual Disciplines. And so this week we are starting a new series coming out of the book Gods at War. Um, this is a two-in-one, so not the top book, but the bottom book, Gods at War by Kyle Eidelman. Um, this book um, does a very good job of revealing to us as the people of God what it is that we are actually going to war against and where that war is taking place. Um, and so I really enjoy this book and I've been thinking a lot about how we as the believers in God are, um, are, are, are being turned and led astray by our own enticements and our own lusts and passions. Um, and so we have to be ever so careful as the believers in God to watch out for these pitfalls that we have a tendency to run back to any time that we are going through any type of trials, tribulations, situations, circumstances, or the like, or just if something kind of springs up out of nowhere, how you can be having the best day on earth and then all of a sudden here's this little idol that we've been worshiping, not realizing that it's been, that it's been sitting there lying dormant and all of a sudden it wants to rise up and wants to rise up in a big way. And so I thought it'd be good for us to go through the Gods at War book um, to have a greater robust understanding of what it is that um, that we are battling against when we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places, and in doing so have a better understanding of how we can, as the people of God, um, um, go to war um, against, the, um, against the idols of our souls. Um, so as a reference point, uh, because we all will always want people to realize that we're not pre that I don't preach or we don't preach the books. We preach the Bible. We preach Jesus. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as a reference point, we want to turn to Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at um, just a couple of verses out of Exodus chapter 20 um, as we're looking at the Ten Commandments on today. Um Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. We find these words here. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. And not for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um... Further into the New Testament, we find these words in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse number 21. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In the first, um, in the introduction in the first chapter of this book um, called of Gods at War, um, there are three things that, um, that Kyle Eidemann points out. Uh, in the introduction, he talks about the Ten Commandments and talks about how the the first and the first and second commandments are the backdrop for the rest of the other commands. Uh, that we are to love God and love one another. Those two on those two hinge everything else. But that first one, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make anything else into a god. Those are the two um, commands. That each and every person, past, present, and future, has violated. Because at one point or another, we have set something above God to be the thing that we worship. The thing that we sacrifice for. The thing that we crave. The thing that we desire the most. And as a result of that, our tendency, our tendency is to be drawn toward whatever it is that our heart seeks after that we are pushing toward that we want to that we are craving that we desire that we want to have and as a result of that we are all in violation of the first command we are all in violation of the first commandment we have a we have a tendency we have a tendency to worship something other than god to put something in the place of god and that and that place where we put him is on the throne of our hearts. We have a desire to have something that's going to satisfy the longings of our souls, the longings of the of of, of the soul of the longings of the souls of our hearts. Where God has placed eternity, we try to fill that place up with something other than God in an attempt to try to satisfy the longings of the soul. And so we as a people have a tendency, a, a draw, a bent, every last one of us, again, from the time, you know, from the, from, from since the dawn of time to now, we've all tried to put something else on the throne, whether it be ourselves, whether it be love, whether it be sex, whether it be money, whether it be ambition, whether it be goals, whether it be marriage, whether it be kids, whether it be a house, whether it be fame, whether it be fortune, glory, whatever it is that we think is going to satisfy the longings of the soul, that is what we have put on the throne of our hearts and said, this is what matters the most to me. And all of us are in violation of the first two commandments. And because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that by itself is enough for us to be doomed to an eternal place of uh, to an eternal hell to be um to be doomed to a place where there is no coming back from a place of eternal damnation we are all in violation of the first command even if we are the nicest people on earth our niceness can only do so much and get us so far without a connection and relationship to god something else is supplanted on the throne and for that reason we all have fallen short of the glory of god and so what he tells us further in the book is that I, in, in the first chapter says it all, idolatry is the issue. Idolatry is the issue. 
the first thing that he says in the book is that um he talks about he talks about a person having a, having a sickness and saying you know what if we went to the doctor and the doctor knows that we have a really bad issue but instead of treating the issue he only treated the symptoms we think we're okay but he's actually given us he give, he's only given us something that's going to suppress the symptoms but not address the real issue so while the real issue is ravaging our hearts and ravaging our bodies we're over here just kind of bebopping all over the place thinking that we're really okay but then months later come to find out there's a bigger issue at play and now we're more debilitated than we've ever been before we like we've only been able we've only treated the, the symptoms we didn't get to the source what Kyle Eidelman says is that as a teacher and church leader, I talk to people every every week who are struggling, hurting, stressing, cheating, lusting, spending, worrying, quitting, medicating, avoiding, searching. They come to me with their shares and struggles. They unload their frustrations. They express their discouragement. They display their wounds. They confess their sins. When I talk to people, they point to what they believe is the problem. In their minds, they've nailed it. They can't stop they stand they can't stop coughing. But here's what I've discovered. They're talking about a symptom rather than the true illness, the true issue, which is always idolatry. He then goes on to describe three um three case studies. And then talks about how every last one of them, when it got to the heart of the matter, it was always the fact that they had placed something above God. There was always something that had taken the place of God. And as a result of that, they were not, um, they were not worshiping God the way that they thought they were. Uh, give us the, um, the, second, the, the second case study. Um, as he was talking to a girl who was um, wanting to live with her boyfriend, um, and she didn't think it was that big of a deal. She's not thinking that it's that big of a problem. And so he said to her, um, I'm starting um, in the middle of that case study. He said, have you thought about how much moving in together is going to cost you? You mean the cost of the apartment? No, I'm not necessarily talking about money. I mean the way your family feels about it and the pressure you're getting from them. That's kind of a price, right? One second. Um, and uh, she said, yeah, I guess that's it. But that's their problem. And what, it, 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 what is this going to cost your future marriage? I don't even know that if we're going to get married. She responds, I'm not talking about you getting married to your boyfriend because statistically speaking, you most likely won't. She understands what I'm getting at, but I push it a little bit farther. How much is this going to cost your future husband? What price will he have to pay for this decision? She has to stop and consider that one. I continue to count the ways that this decision is a big deal because it's costing her more than she knows. So here's what I suggest. If you're willing to pay a price, then this must be pretty important to you. It must be a fairly big deal if you're willing to go through all of this. I take her silence for reflection and I finally get to my point. When I see the sacrifices you are willing to make and the fact that you are willing to ignore God, what, ignore what God has to say about all this, it seems to me you've turned this relationship into a God. What do you mean by that? A God is what we sacrifice for and what we pursue. From where I sit, you have the Lord God on one side saying one thing and your boyfriend on the other side saying something else. And you're choosing your boyfriend over God. The Bible calls that idolatry. And it's actually a pretty big deal. No nervous laughter this time. She confesses, I never thought about it like that.
And so when he goes further into the book, uh, into the chapter, he says something that really that really hits home. He says to us that our, our tendency as people is to put God in a place of hierarchy where we place him in a, in a list of importance. He's the most important thing, but there's other things that are underneath uh, that is underneath him that at any given time, that at any given time have the power and the potential to overtake him in the matter of importance. That because he we put him on a list and make him the most important thing at any given time, depending upon the situation, depending upon the circumstance, one of these other things that we love, these other things that we desire, these other things that we crave, has the potential to supplant him on the throne and take his place as the most important person in our lives. He says, um, the Bible's paradigm is different. When we hear God say, you will have no other gods before me, we think of it as a hierarchy. God is always in first place. God is always in first place. But there are no places. God isn't interested in competing against others or being the first among many. He wasn't saying before me as in ahead of me. A better understanding of the Hebrew word translated before, before me is in my presence. God declines to sit atop an organizational flowchart. He is the organization. He is not interested in being president of the board. He is the board. And life doesn't work until everyone else is sitting around, uh, around the table in the boardroom of your heart is fired. Let me say that again. And life doesn't work until everyone else sitting around the table in the boardroom of your heart is fired. He is God, and there are no other applicants for that position. There are no partial gods, no honorary gods, no interim gods, no assistance to the regional gods. God is saying this not because he is insecure, but because it's the way of truth in this universe, which is his creation. Only one God owns and operates it. Only one God designed it. Only one God knows how it works. He is the only God who can help us, direct us, satisfy us, save us. And so what God is saying in this space, what God is saying in this space is that, um, hold on one second. What God is saying to us in this space is that he, when he says, I, there, you will have no other gods before me, he's saying in my presence, there is no other God. Period, point blank. I am not somebody that you put atop a list. Like there's no, there's no list. I am the list. I am the board. I am the organization. I am all there is. There, you will have no other gods in my presence. You will have no other God to take my place. You will have no other God that has the, uh, the ability, the ability to at any given moment when the wind blows, you're now putting all of your eggs in that basket. I am the basket from which all of your eggs should be. No, that no one, no one should have any other God before me. Our heart's posture, however, 
is the tendency to put something in the place of God. Our tendency is to say something else in this world matters more to me than God does. And that we in that in the biblical term is called an idol. We and we act sometimes like we're built that idols are things that we bow down to, that we build this little monument, like we, you know, carve this little image and we're bowing down to it and we're worshiping it and we're putting all of our, you know, we're just, yes, it'll, you know, and fa falling down and, and being demon possessed and all type of stuff. That stuff does still happen in some parts of the world. But what God is speaking to is the fact that we have a tendency to put something above God, that there is something in the world that is enticing enough to the flesh, talking about our emotions, our thoughts, our will, our, um, our, our, our pleasures, our passions, that something that will turn us away from the face of God and have us running in that direction. All of us have something that we are willing to put in the place of of the, of the God that we worship. And as a result of that, God is saying to us today that if we're not careful, that we will put something in front of him thinking that God is at the head. But in reality, it couldn't be further from the truth. That something has seeped in and replaced where God is supposed to be. Um, where is it? Ah, the last example that he gives today is the, um, is the example of the tree. He says, I want you to reimagine idolatry as a tree. See it in your mind. One of those great oak trees that seem older than time itself. One with impressive branches reaching out in every direction. Branches growing from branches. And when erosion sets in, down in the bank or beside the waters, you can see just how deep and far flung its roots. Imagine the tree of idolatry with many branches, each with something tied to it. From one of the branches dangles a pot of gold. I would, I would probably put a pot of cash in there, you know, just to kind of make it more, you know, our time. But that's not me. I'm, I'm not the raw author of the book. I'm just an editor every now and then, you know. Another branch grows all uh, food of all kinds. Every delicious food imaginable seems to sprout from a different selection of the, from the different section of that branch. Another branch widens into a flat, round ending. And when you move closer, you can see that it is really a mirror that shows an idealized reflection of yourself. Yet another branch is carved with beautiful craftsmanship. You follow its sinuous lines and realize it is the image of two human figures entwined in a sensuous embrace. One branch has as fruit different sets of keys, one, to a set, one set to a luxury car, another to a beach house in Florida. Quite a peculiar tree. It has many other branches each one with a curious item attached to it. Here's the point. Idolatry is the tree from which our sins and struggles grow. Idolatry is always the issue. It is the trunk of the tree, and all other problems are just branches. 
when you look out into the into the scope of your life and you think about the things that tend to pull you the things that tend to spark up your interest or the things that tend to you know draw you from one direction to the next this might be indications if you do a pulse check of what it is that your heart truly seeks after what your heart truly desires what your heart truly wants what god says to us is that when he gives us his heart transfers the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh a heart that beats for him a heart that bumps for him a heart that's you know that, that when it's poured in the spirit into us he starts to look in the space of our heart and starts to kind of expose some things to us you know we we love god and have a honeymoon phase with him at the first yes i give all my i give all my all to god everything everything i am is yours you can have it lord god i want you to be first in my life be the head of my life lord god i'm all about you 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 but then after a point in time that honeymoon phase is over there there isn't a, um there isn't a honeymoon phase you know we have a tendency to draw back to what we want you know what our heart truly craves you know i was talking in our interview last week um and 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 leah had said that even though she firmly believes in god like she has relationship with him you know she at some point you know she was still turning back to the things that she loved you know and so her relationship with god took some time to kind of submit to where it is today and that's the plight of all of us that we have a we have our little honeymoon phase you know, whether it lasts a week, a month, a, a, a year, a minute, a second, you know, an hour, who knows. But at some point, those gods that are warring in our hearts, they continue to war. They're like, oh, you thought this was going to be easy. Oh, you thought that just by declaring that Christ is yours, now all of a sudden we're going to flee. Oh, no, we want the throne back. What do you mean? What are you talking about? No, I still want that throne. I still want the throne of your heart. I'm not going anywhere just because you've now made a declaration that you've repented and believed. I don't care that you've done that. I still want your heart. I still want, I still want, I still want your soul. If we're going to really call a spade a spade and I want to sit on the throne of your heart. And as a result the tendency and the draw for us is we love God but we love what we love too. And we have to, as we're growing in our relationship with God and God begins to seep into those areas of our hearts, going into the closets and the crevices and the cracks and the drawers of our lives under the bed, you know, under the in between the mattresses of our hearts, he begins to pull things out to show us, hey, what's this? Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, where is this? Hey, what is this? Hey, what's going on here? Hey, you know, this ain't of me. Hey, this don't look like me. Hey, you know, I'm just letting you know this ain't quite where we are supposed to be going when it comes to walking alongside me. So what's going on here? Why do you feel like you need to hold on to this thing that you're holding on to? And so what is so what God is telling us today is that all of us, are in violation of idolatry the first two commands that he gives us 
Again, those first two commands and then much further on in the scriptures when it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength and then love others as we love ourselves. Like though on, on those two hang everything. We are in violation of both. From the, from the time that we decide that something's mine, we're in violation of that code. We're in violation of that, of that creed. And as a result of that, God is saying to us that if we, as the believers in God, if we take a step back for a moment, we can ask ourselves the question, you know, there probably is something that I'm putting above God. There's something that I love that has the potential to supplant the throne. That there's something out there that I desire, that I crave, that I want, that I need, that I gotta have. And if anything gets in the way of that, if anything gets in the way of that, I am liable to act out of the character and nature of God that he's placed inside of me to declare that this thing, that this thing, you know, has either um, been, has been, has been wrong or robbed or whatever, and I will put that thing on the throne in a heartbeat. For some of us, and let me go down the laundry list again. For some of us, it's a house. For some of us, it's a car. For some of us, it's a title. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's glory. For some of us, it's fame. For some of us, it's family. For some of us, it's our children. For some of us, it's our husbands. For some of us, it's our wives. For some of us, it's our bosses. For some of us, it's some person that's outside of our marriage or outside of our relationship for some of us it's um for some of us it's a vacation for some of us it's leisure for some of us it's toys for some of us it's how we true how we want to express our sexuality for some of us it's you know it's 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 knowledge for some of us it's information for some of us it's laziness all of us have something that we are, that we are, that even, even on our best day, all it takes is the right person or the right situation or the right circumstance to cause us to take God off the throne of our hearts and place that thing in, in God's place. And present company included. I ain't just talking head knowledge. I'm talking experience. This is, this happens to the best of us. Where we'll find ourselves taking the thing that we know is not of God, that we know is not of him, but for whatever reason, for some reason or another, we are taking God off of the throne of our hearts and placing that thing on it and allowing that thing to dictate how we act, to dictate how we think, to dictate how we feel. And as a result of that, our tendency and our heart's posture must always be checked. We must always guard our hearts with, to the best of our ability by the power of the Holy Spirit because our desires are fleeting. Our emotions are fleeting. Our thoughts go all over the place. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, um, um, Jesus said to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, um... You, the command says, thou shall not do this. But I'd say to you, if you think this way, you've already committed the crime. Our thoughts 
can get us in trouble. Our thoughts can get us in trouble. Sometimes somebody can make us so angry that we all of a sudden have bitterness and rage built up inside of our hearts. I had a client who came to me who was saying to me, you know, that he felt so bad because his, but his brother was bullying him so much that he had the thought to want to hurt him in a, in a very, very bad way. And he, he came to therapy for that reason. He was like, dude, I don't want to hurt my brother like that. And I was like, I know you don't want to hurt your brother, but you, it, it, you don't want to hurt him. And you're frustrated with him because he's bullying you and you're tired of that. And so y'all need to come together and you need to have a conversation because that is leading you to hate. It's leading you to frustration. It's leading you to a place of darkness. And you know that's not you. But that anger that you're harboring in your heart, albeit it's coming from a real place, that anger has the ten has the potential to turn you in a completely different direction, and that is not godly. That is not, the God that you worship would not have you to do this. He said, "Be angry, but sin not." And so we got to figure a way to channel that anger in a way that's positive, in a way that's gonna make you, that's gonna help you grow, not gonna tear you apart. And so again, all of us have the potential to put something on the throne the throne of our hearts god always reigns on his throne but when it comes to the throne of our hearts we all have something that we're willing to say god i'm gonna take you off the throne for a minute so i can put this thing on it worship it and then take and then everything that comes with that we're not trying to put god back on the throne and thank be, thanks be to God that he's a willing and forgiving God, that even in our faithlessness, he's still faithful. Thank God for that. But our, ten, but our tendency, but our tendency is to, to act as if, you know, whatever it is that we crave, whatever it is that we want, it has the potential to turn us away from the God that we worship, from the God that we serve. From the God that we that we that we the believers say that we love. And so the first chapter, the introduction to the first chapter of God's at war warns us that there are things that are just lurking in our hearts. Things that we love, things that we desire, things that we crave. We as the people of God must be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we are not allowing anything in this world to overrule the throne of God in our hearts. That we have to be watchful and we need to pay attention to our heart's leanings. That we need to be in active pursuit of figuring out where are the where are the where are the, the, the where are the points? Where's the pulse of my heart? What can stir me up inside and have me to want to act out against God for the sake of for the sake of whatever it is that I want. Is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it our children? Is it someone outside of our marriage? Is it a boss? Is it a coworker? Is it money? You know, what can move that needle? Is it clothes? Is it securing the bag? Is it being Insta-famous? TikTok famous? Is it OnlyFan famous? You know, what has the power and potential to move the needle? Is it Cornhub? Come on, let's, let's call it out. Like, is it, you know, scandalous, you know, pictures? You know, is it, you know, the desire to be liked? 
the desire to be loved, the desire to be adored, the desire to have thousands of fans? Is it the desire to achieve something, to accomplish something? You know, there are so many um, combinations of things that we can worship outside of God. And it can be so insidious that even our church attendance, our, our reading our Bibles, our prayers, it can become so insidious that we think that religion it's in and of itself, apart from the purpose of religion, can become idolatrous too. Where it says in scripture, you know, you search the scriptures as if yeah, there's life found in them, but the but you, the life that's found from them is in me. I am what the scriptures are pointing to, says Jesus. And so again, even our, you know, oh, I pray seven times a day, you know, thank God I'm not like this sinner over here. That can become idolatrous too. Uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a space of achievement and accomplishment. And so again, we the people of God, we need to be ever so careful that we are watching our hearts, looking to see what in our lives have the, has the potential to overthrow God and supplant him on the throne of our hearts. What has the potential to spring forth in our hearts in such a way to where we're putting God on the back burner. Where we want nothing to do with God and everything to do with what it is that we want. Whatever it is that we believe. Whatever it is that we desire. All of us have a, have a, um, have a, um, have a tendency. All of us have a tendency to desire and crave something outside of of the will of God, outside of the desire of God, outside of the heart of God. And if we're not careful, we'll place God on a hierarchy that says that as long as things are good, God's, I'm God's number one. But the second that there's something else that I want in this world, I'm going to take God off the throne and I'm going to supplant him with the thing that I want and chase after that thing until I get it. So today is a reminder of a heart check. What in your life can you honestly say that if for whatever reason this thing this thing is um is 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 the desire of my heart for the day that I am willing to take God off the throne. Cuz all of us have something that we believe we want, desire, crave, and all it takes is the right time and the right situation with the right circumstance to cause us to make God one of many instead of being the only one. God says there should be nothing else more important than me. He doesn't desire to be number one. He desires to be the only one. And so God is saying he has to own the entire space. So we, the people of God, have to be careful that we don't have anything in this world that, or 
it, that that if that as we have our desires in this world, that those desires are tempered in such a way to where none of them have the potential to ever rise above God and make God um, second to it. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly grateful for the 427 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for every like, comment, share, and follow that we receive here on the True Gospel Morning Show. If you have missed any part of this message or would like to hear um, from our past episodes, so feel free to stop by Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And you can listen to every episode that we have done from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the show till now. Um, if you do decide to give to this um to this um, ministry, know that you're giving nothing to me. Make my own money, got my own job, pay my own bills. Every gift that you give to this show will go straight to our web, um, go straight to our fund for the sake of keeping up the uh, subscriptions and keeping up the website that we have um, for the True Gospel Ministry. Uh, we thank you so much, and we'll be right back in just a moment. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 867 likes that we have received thus far. Keep those likes coming. We really do appreciate y'all. Uh, it helps us to stay on the um, TikTok and to get this out to more people that the algorithm know that we are um, putting some good word out there for everyone to hear. So go ahead and get those likes up so that way you can keep boosting us to um, reach as many people as possible. Certainly grateful again for each and every one of you guys for allowing us this opportunity to be able to um, worship with you on today. Um, today we're going to be talking about the main um, shooting that took place over um, last week um, in our What Would Jesus Say segment. 
Um, and it says on, in, um, per CNN on Sunday, October 29th, um, by, um, Shimon Prokupsik, I'm saying, probably saying that wrong, and Mark Morales, um, cops were sent to Mary, to Maine gunman's home weeks before massacres amid concern that he is going to snap and commit a mass shooting. Um, the Maine National Guard asked local police to check on the reservist who killed 18 people after a soldier became concerned he would snap and commit a mass shooting, according to information shared with CNN. Officers from the Saga, Sagadahawk County and Kennebec County Sheriff's offices responded and tried to contact the man on September 16th, less than six weeks before Wednesday's massacres in a bowling alley and a bar. Documents say, according to law enforcement source, the information obtained by CNN describes how the Sagadahawk County sergeant called for backup, tried without success to talk to the reservist, the, res, the reservist, and then received disturbing details from the Maine National Guard and the shooter's family. The responding sergeant from the Sagadahawk County Sheriff's Office was told, quote, when he answers the door at his trailer, in the past he usually does so with a handgun in hand out of view from the person outside according to the source familiar with the welfare check report. The responding officer learned later in a letter from the National Guard that a fellow guardsman is, quote, concerned that the reservist is going to snap and commit a mass shooting, according to the report filed in connection with the wellness check. The 40-year-old went on shooting two shooting rampages in Lewiston, Maine, on Wednesday night, killing 18 people at just-in-time recreation and at a... Scheme, scheme, schemages, bar and grill. The initial panic was followed by 48 hours of fear and lockdown before he was found on Friday night, dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound 10 miles away. CNN reports uh, reporting raises new questions about the lack of follow-through to make sure the man was not a danger despite how serious warning signs that were known by authorities and are now being detailed for the first time. Maine has a yellow flag law that can be used to assess an individual with access to weapons. The first step is for law enforcement to take someone believed to be dangerous into custody and then have them evaluated by a medical professional. After a diagnosis, a judge can approve to order a temporary remove of firearms according to the law. A file six missings report, missing persons report appears to have been generated by the Sagadahawk sergeant who tried to check on the man, the sources told CNN, but it is unclear if there was any action in regard to the shooter's access to weapons. The source said the case appeared to have been closed on October 1st, 24 days before the massacres. CNN started raising questions about what information all law enforcement in the state had about the threats about the mental health condition of the shooter on Thursday, but when CNN asked state public safety commissioner Mike Southchuck about it, he replied, I won't answer. He continued, based on what I've seen, we're going to continue to work through that. A spokesperson for the state police on Sunday said the organization was the lead agency for the manhunt and homicide investigations, but no other aspect. Um, the Department of Public Safety, not the main state police, requested a teletype on Robert Card prior to October 26th. It should also be noted that no bulletins or assistance was requested from MSP's main information and analysis center. DPS has no regulatory authority over law enforcement agencies in Maine. Um, and so um, one of the things that always 
um, you know, saddens me when we see things like this happen as a mental health professional is that um, the signs were always there. It, it seems like in every situation, in every circumstance that we see something like this occur, there's always some mental health component that's attached to it. And everybody all of a sudden could see the signs. Yeah, there were signs. Yeah, there were signs. Yeah, there were signs. But there was no follow through. No follow through whatsoever. It's like we're constantly seeing the signs. But where is the courage to step up and do something about what we see? Um... We, we, we see it more so now than in any other generation of our lack of um, a lack of follow through when it comes to being there for when it be, when it comes to being there for people. I don't know what was going on in Mark's in, in Robert Card's mind. I don't know. None of us do. You know, apparently he kind of figured it was going to be the end. The only note that we have is that he told his family the passcode to his phone and the um in the in the access to his bank accounts. And so there was an obvious, you know, maybe this might be the end for him. Um but again, where is the follow through? Where is the follow through? Um there've been times in situations where I've been going through something. And you know, we're taught not to tell anybody our business, not to tell anybody what's going on, not to um you know, tell us, you know, that, you know, something's going on in our lives and our hope and expectation, even though we might not say anything, is that somebody will see us and ask us the real questions in hopes that maybe I'll have an, I'll be able to say what it is that I'm really feeling. Um, we find this too in the church being a really big problem for us as believers where we won't tell people what's really going on with us. We won't really tell people the issues, the problems, the situations. We won't really talk to people about what's really going on with us. And as a result, there's plenty of situations and times where we could easily, you know, tell somebody, this is my problem. This is my issue. This is what's going on. And maybe there'd be some type of resolution to it. But far too often, more so than in any other generation today, we don't talk about our issues. We talk a really good game nowadays when it talks about being vulnerable. You know, we're thankful for TikTok and thankful for, you know, the social medias that are teaching us that mental health is important and that talking about our feelings is important and all those sort of things. But there's still a, a, a plethora of us in this world who ain't telling nobody anything. We're not telling anybody what's going on in our hearts. We're not telling anybody what's going on in our minds. You know, I just told y'all earlier about the guy who, who came to therapy and was telling me, I don't want to do anything to my brother, but I'm so angry with him right now that I'm having these intrusive thoughts of hurting him and I don't want to have these thoughts. And then talking to him, come to find out his brother was bullying him and he was tired of being bullied. And it's like, dude. You know, that's a very understandable feeling to have when someone's bullying you. You don't want to hurt him. You just want the bullying to stop. I get that. That makes sense to me. We all should come together as a family and tell and tell your parents, I'm tired of him bullying me. 
and he got one more time to bully me and I'm going to beat him in his face. You know, that's a conversation to have, you know, but imagine if he hadn't come to therapy. Imagine if he hadn't talked to anybody. Imagine if he hadn't gone to one of his school counselors and the school counselor said, I recommend you go to therapy. Like, imagine if he had kept quiet. Then every bully that's ever bothered him, it would now be a target. And again, all stemming from a lack of being able to speak about what's going on with us and the follow through thereof. Because again, there have been, there may have been times where he did talk to somebody, when he did speak to somebody, when he did, you know, and I'm not condoning what he did, keep it real, you know, and it's not that I'm trying to point fingers, but again, where was the follow through? Where was the person who said, I know that this guy's a scary dude and I know that, you know, he may be carrying, a, you know, a firearm and everything if I go to this man's house. But for the sake of his safety and the safety of others, based on the reports that I've gotten, I got to make sure I lay eyes on this dude. I got to make sure that I get him to a facility. I got to make sure that somebody's looking after this guy because right now he's a threat. Right now he's a problem. And if he's got access to these weapons the way that they say he does, we got I got to do something. Where is the follow through? Well, you know, I did my did what was required of me. When are we going to step up and say maybe I should do a little bit more? Maybe I can do a little bit more. Maybe I can check in a little bit better. Maybe I can make sure this man has a safety plan in place. Maybe I can make sure, you know, that we 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 follow this to the le- to the to the to the fullest extent just to ensure because you just never know. Just like this thing happened Wednesday, something happened in Florida last night. And now we're mourning yet again. Somebody, and they're going to give us a report. And it's going to be like, he had mental health and all and this was the issue and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, dude, like, when is someone going to step up and do something about this stuff? Like, obviously, our, our, gov- our government system's not going to do anything about it. Because you can do all the thoughts and prayers that you want. But... Ain't nobody banning weapons no time soon, so we go ahead and dismiss all of that thought process because ain't nobody doing nothing on that front. Making too much money from all these different lobbyists and all that jazz, so I ain't even getting into that. So I ain't even, at this point, it's a moot point to even try to go that route. The the question becomes, what, what, you know, when we see the signs, when we see the signs, my brother, my sister, what are we doing to step up and say, let's, let's try to do some prevent. Let's try to prevent something from happening. You know, I see the signs. You know, the person being bullied, the person feeling like life, you know, ain't worth and, you know, feeling like, you know, people out to get them or that, you know, people have have been you have been making them upset. You know, somebody, you know, so there was a, a previous report that said that there's one theory that he may have had a, a breakup and the breakup was the reason that he went to the places that he went to because that was a place that she that the girl frequented. Um, and so maybe he was looking for her, not sure, but the fact still remains like if you saw the signs, if you, if, if the professionals saw the signs, what was done to prevent this thing from happening? We, as the believers in God, do we see the signs of, 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 of pain, of hurt, of, of sadness, of rage, of bitterness? Can we see the signs And are we willing to step into the fray and do something, say something, offer a helping hand, offer, you know, um, guidance, offer, you know, a comforting ear, offer a shoulder to lean on something, 
You know, again, in this hyper-individualized world that we live in, we have forgot that we are our brother's keeper. That, you know, that just because we're not going through something doesn't mean that we can't step into someone else's, you know, sadness. That if one hurts, we all hurt. As the body of Christ. As one is grieving, we're all grieving. As the body of Christ. That when one is in need, we're all in need. As the body of Christ. That we should be coming together to help heal one another. To help, you know, steady the ship for one another. To be there for one another. And yet our tendency in this hyper-individualized world that we live in, even in our faith, is that's their problem. That's their issue. That's their problem. I'm going to let them handle it. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to just pray that God shine his light on you. But beyond that, I can't, I'm not, I can't help. Meanwhile, we got every resource known to man sitting on G, waiting on O. And we're doing nothing, do nothing about it. And as a result, we ask the question, you know, what do we see the signs? Do we see the signs? And if we see the signs of a person hurting, see the signs of someone in need, see the signs of someone in pain, see the signs of someone who's really in, that's really, you know, needing a helping hand, needing a listening ear, needing a shoulder to cry on. Can we step in that fray and do something? What saddens my heart about what happened in Maine is it was all preventable. It was all preventable. No one who's been interviewed since that situation was surprised at what happened. No one saying, oh, he was such a good guy. This is totally out of left field. I, I couldn't have seen this happen. You would have never, I would have never guessed. No, every person, every family member, every friend, every doctor, his co-workers, everybody knew this man had a problem. Everybody knew. And no one did a thing. No, no one, no one did a thing. And that's why I said, you know, earlier, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the politicians. I'm not concerned about that. I, 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 we already know that's a moot point. So that ain't, I ain't even bringing them into the conversation because they ain't worth nothing in my eyes. I'm looking at the fact that you had whole people in his local, in his local space. Everybody knew this man had a problem and no one stepped up enough to stop this from happening. Nobody. Everybody just, you know, well, let them handle it. Let them handle it. That's not my pay grade. That's not my responsibility. That's not my issue. Let them handle it. Oh, they said it's closed. Oh, I right. like. And so again, you know, at the same. So what we're saying is like no one did anything. No one did a thing. But now everybody wants to get on the TV screen saying, you know, months ago we said we said this. He had a whole report. Da, 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 da. When are we as a people going to step up and prevent stuff like this from happening? When the signs are there. And let's be clear. We always are going to get the stories of the mess ups. We're always going to get those. So we don't see the thousands upon thousands of calls that people are getting that are doing a good work. There's nothing happened. So we don't hear about them. So I'm not saying that stuff isn't getting done. And I'm not saying 
any that any of these things are say, that are are happening. You're like, I'm glad that you know there are people out there that are doing this work. And I thank y'all. I thank the first responders. I thank the mental health crisis line. I thank all of y'all because again, y'all are preventing a lot of stuff like this from happening. We could probably, as as bad as this may sound, there probably be a whole lot more going on than we actually have if not for those people. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the work that's being done. But man, like this one, this one in Maine was preventable. All the signs were there and everybody knew. Everybody knew. And no one did enough to stop this from happening. Again, no one was caught by off guard. No one was caught by surprise. Everybody knew this man had a problem. Everybody knew this man had an issue. And no one stepped in the fray enough to say, hey, bro, nah, we, 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 we going to pull you to the side. Nah, bro. Nah, we, mm-mm. You, you'll go in and get, go in and get the firearms. We, we locking them away. Cause nah, bruh, you, you ain't all there right now. You talking about wanting to do something to somebody. Nah, we need to go put all this stuff away. Like, nah, I love you. I love, I know you got your freedoms and all that, but listen, you talking about wanting to hurt people. Nah, we gotta, we gotta put this stuff away because people are often quick to say, you know, firearms don't hurt people is People that hurt people, okay, so you saw a situation where a person was getting ready to hurt somebody, move the firearms, move them, something, so that this man could not have done what he did. For at the end of the day, this was a preventable case, and it speaks to a bigger truth for us as believers that our tendency is to stay silent. It's to stay silent. We don't, we don't, we we won't say anything to the people that matter. We get on these chat boards and we get on these TikToks and we get on these and we do this this whole finger thing. You know, we're warriors when it comes to speaking. You know, when it comes to myself included, get on this camera. We can speak bold in front of a camera. We can type real real loud and proud, but when it comes to speaking for real, we the, we 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 almost almost said a bad word. We are some of the most lily-livered weak people in the world. Cuz we are so quick to get on a computer or get on our phones and do the typey type type, but we won't say what we need to say in front of the people face to face. We're so quick to want to, you know, rally up our troops on camera and rally up our troops, you know, with our fastest fingers possible. We can put a post on X and put a post on Facebook and put a post on Instagram. But when it comes to actually doing the real work, we're silent. Mum is a mouse. Won't say a word. And God tells us that those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. To go to our brothers and sisters and talk to them about what we see. Tell them the truth in love. To help in the time of need. To be there for one another. All those doggone one another's that are in the New Testament. That's the the rallying cry for us. Love one another. Be there for one another. Pray for one another. Help one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so I'm saying all that to say to us today. May Maine be a wake-up call for us that if we see, (laughs) if we see something, say something. 
I'm on a party tonight. So, if you see it, say it. Like, dude, don't be, don't, don't stay silent. Don't stay silent. Because there are so many people who have the potential to rise up and do something as heinous as what happened in Maine. And all of it is preventable. If someone just steps in the fray and says, hey, I see you're hurting. Let's talk about it. Hey, something's going on. Let's discuss. Hey, I see you're having a hard time. Can we... Can we, can we, can we sit down? Can we chat? Hey, you know, I see this report. It ain't looking too good. I think you and I and me may have a talk about something because right now this ain't looking too pretty, man. Like, I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing. You know, when are we going to, can we increase, rather, because I, I want to go off of what Ashe said to us at the end of her interview, can we further increase our hands and our feet and our reach to people? We're doing a better job of it than we've ever had in quite some time. So can we do more to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to reach out to those who are in need, to be there for people who are in need, to be there for people who are struggling so that we can be what God has called us to be the light that shines in the darkness and helps them to get to where they need to be in him. Because again, we've got a lot of people that are hurting and maybe we are meant to step in the fray and to step in the gap for them so that they can know that there is still a God in this land and because there's still a God, there is still a chance. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the thousand likes that we have um, received thus far. We're so grateful for each and every one of you um, who have liked, commented, and shared and followed this live thus far. If you've missed any part of this live or you like to listen to past episodes, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, look up the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and subscribe and follow um, at your leisure. We're certainly grateful once again for all of you, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the thousand likes that we've received thus far. Go ahead and keep those likes coming. That way the algorithm can know that we are trying to get this gospel out to as many people as possible. So any likes that you do give, we just really do appreciate you. And hopefully you keep those things up so that way the algorithm keep pushing this good gospel message to all those who are willing to get on and listen. And so thank you once again for um for your continued support of the show um for our sanctification session today we're going to be talking about not despising the pain points not despising the pain points uh we as believers sometimes can have a tendency to not um want to remember the pain that we have gone through or when we're going through a tough time in our walk with God our tendency is to push those things under the rug um, that we don't want to talk about them. We don't want to expose them. We want to put a Band-Aid on things that require surgery. We want to mow over weeds instead of pulling them out. And so um, one of Matt Chandler, um, Matt Chandler, who's the pastor of the Village Church in Flower in, in Flower Mound, Texas. I believe it's in Flower Mound, um, Texas. Um, he um, coined this phrase, um, don't despise the pain points. Um, and in that he, what he was saying was pain points are, are, um, are flags. They are indicators. They are signs. And in those pain points, there is so much to learn in our walk with God about who God is, about who we are in him. And as a result allows us an opportunity to really unpack a lot of good things about who God is to us and how we can further enhance our relationship and our walk with him. In talking with Leah last week during our um during our interview um session, uh which again Leah so good that you were on the show. Um if you're watching right now, I'm so grateful that you got to be on the show with us and so glad that we had an opportunity to talk. It was just it was chef's kiss, man. I was so grateful to have talked with you. Um she said to us that, you know, that everything that she had gone through in her life, she doesn't regret a thing. And she doesn't regret it because it allowed her to be able to be able um, to to recognize who he is and that everything in her life had to happen the way that it happened so that she would then be able to have the type of relationship that she has with him. She went on to describe some very, um, you know, some very, you know, um, heavy things um, that I won't repeat here. Um, you can go and listen to the con to the conversation in its entirety um, on Spotify and Apple Podcast if you so desire to. But I'm not going to go back and rehash everything that she said that she went through here. Um, but she you know she said that she had gone through a lot in her life, and the main thing that she put that that we pointed out in that conversation was that in every situation that she had gone through in her life. The people, the, the, the adults in the room were never giving her the type of response that she needed in order to know that she was loved, that she was cared for, that she was valued, that she was valuable. No one, no adult gave her the validation that she needed. And as a result, um, when God stepped in and gave her the proverbial hug that she needed, she knew that it was him. Because what she needed from all of the parents and the adults in the room, God gave to her in such an ample supply that she knew it was the hand of God. 
And so she thanked God for everything that she had gone through in her life because she realized in that moment that, um, that, you know, that it could not have been orchestrated any other way for God to get her attention, for God to grab her by the, basically grab her by the, by the, you know, by the body and just, you know, give her the proverbial hug that she needed and for her relationship with him to begin in that, in, in her dark, in, in the darkest moment of her life. And so we're saying all that to say that we as the people of God, our ten, our tendency is to want to just push the pain points away. We don't want to think about the pain. We don't want to think about the issues. We don't want to think about the problems. We just want to delight in God. Some of us just want to delight in God. Some of us have been trained to think that way by virtue of some of the churches that we attended that said, don't look like what you're going through. You know, don't tell people what you got going on. You know, keep that kind of keep that kind of stuff to yourself. Like, don't tell anybody what you got going on. We walk in victory in here. We don't walk in defeat. We don't hang our heads low. We don't hang, we don't hang our heads down. Um, but God is trying, God tries to tell us all the time that we have to be honest about what's happened with us, honest about what's going on with us, because it's in the honesty of what's happening that God can do some of his best work in us. Because again, he doesn't need pretty us. He doesn't need put together us. He doesn't, well, rather, let me say it this way. He doesn't want pretty us. He doesn't want put together us. He doesn't want victorious us. He wants honest us. He wants, you know, authentic us. He wants true us. And true us got issues. True us got problems. True us have things that we're going through from one day to the next. And God is encouraging us all to fall to his feet and give him what's going on with us so that he can show us who he is and what he means to us and how he has come to, to fill in those gaps for us. Some of us have a lot of things that are going on in our lives, and a lot of those things that are going on in us right now, our tendency is, again, to just push them to the side. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We just want to, we just want to walk in Jesus and, and let that be the end of it. And I have a lot, of, a lot of friends and a lot of people that I deal with in therapy, they often say, just give me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Give me a step-by-step. -step. Give me something to do. And I tell them all the time, I can't give you what to do until I figure out your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why is this thing so important to you? Why is it that every time we're walking in this direction, this is the thing that you do? God is saying the same thing to us as believers. The, the reason why the pain points are there, one of the reasons why the pain points are there is because it's exposing a why in our hearts. Why are we doing this? Why does this keep happening? Why do we find ourselves in these situations? And unless we're allowing God to really dig into that space and, and unpack that for us, our tendency will be to dismiss the pain point just so that we can keep living the fight another day. Some of us will push away and push to the side those pain points because I got a family to raise. I got mouths to feed. I got bills to pay. I don't have time to think about my problems. I don't have time to deal with my stuff. I just got to keep, I just got to keep it moving. And so we keep pressing those problems down. We keep pressing those issues away. We keep moving those issues into a, a corner 
or a crevice of our minds and think, if I just ignore it long enough, then eventually I'll be okay. Um, the family, we're all binge watching um, um, New Amsterdam right now. Um, and in the show, one of the doctors has a problem with Adderall. And because of her abuse of Adderall, she's making mistakes in the hospital that if her, if her, um, if her uh, subordinates didn't catch, then people would end up, you know, gone, you know? And, and so, you know, at some point, you know, she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Why y'all keep, why you keep pressing me? I'm good. Just let me go back to work. Let me do what I got to do. And the, 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 the psychiatrist was given the power to either, you know, f f fire her or, you know, suspend her or whatever. And eventually he was able to break her down and her issue stemmed all the way to her childhood childhood where she had to grow up and be an adult and didn't have time to be emotional didn't have time to deal with her feelings she just had to suck it up and do what she needed to do and so she sucked it up and did what she needed to do but as a result of that she became too high too 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 high strung and it was about and it was burning her out and so she went to the Adderall to try to give herself the push that she needed to keep doing her job. But when it wasn't enough, she kept doing more, kept doing more, kept doing more. And as a result, it was spiraling her all over the place. And she felt at the end of the day, I need this job because I have to help people because helping people is all that I am. It's all that I've ever been. And if I don't help people, then who am I? So all those idols just warring in her soul. All those idols just waging war in her soul. And, um, and because she didn't want to deal with them and kept pushing them to the side, those war, those, um, those, um, those idols just continued ravaging her soul, ravaging her heart, ravaging her mind, ravaging her actions to the point where, thank God, somebody caught her in time before she did really did do something that was, that was, um, heinous. And then as a result would completely lose her license altogether and couldn't practice medicine anymore. So she's, so now that she's in rehab, she's having to deal with that, having to deal with those underlying underpinning issues. When we despise the pain points and try to push those pain points to the side and try to act as though those pain points don't matter. God is saying to us, you're missing an opportunity to grow in me. You're missing an opportunity to lean on me. You're missing an opportunity to, to, to learn more about who I am and what I have accomplished on the cross. God's accomplishment of, of Christ's accomplishment, dying and rising again, is so much more than just get, than securing a seat in heaven. It's more, so much more than just having a relationship with him, although that's the best part, is having a relationship with him. Our relationship with Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross is helping to undo the damage done to our souls. A lot of us are coming out of some really deep doo-doo. Like, we've gone through a lot of stuff, whether we were in a relationship with God as it happened or prior to entering into a relationship with him. And God is saying, yeah, it's all well and good that you are good with me, but let's go deeper. Let's see what's really going on in your heart space 
and begin to untangle that web and, and, and deal with the issues so that you can grow in me, so that you can be more in me and you can see how I'm entering into those spaces and filling the cracks and crevices of your heart, filling the cracks and crevices of your soul so that you can be a better person in this life. We'll never be our best. We won't be our best till Jesus comes back and eradicates all sin, but we can be better every single day as we are being sanctified from one degree of glory to the next. And as we've said many times before, the sanctification process, the pruning process, it burns and it cuts. Those are painful. Burning hurts. Cuts hurt. But we need to be pruned. We need to be purged. We need to be refined. And sometimes it requires us having to take a look in the mirror and saying, oh man, you know, my mommy and daddy issues really have been playing a part in how I act toward you, God, and how I act toward others. How I think about myself, my mommy and daddy issues from way back when. Oh man, you know, that time when that dude touched me in a way that he wasn't supposed to, that really jacked me up. And got me out here thinking that my only, um, my only, um, you know, way of being noticed is by doing things that bring that kind of attention my way. You know, oh my goodness, you know, I, I, I realized, you know, I, I never really thought about it, but, you know, I was never able to talk about my emotions. And so everything that I did to get people's attention was through my accomplishments and my achievements. And so if I'm not doing something, if I'm not trying to accomplish something, if I'm not trying to achieve something, then I feel like I don't matter. And so and, 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 and I need to see that. I need to understand that. I need to unpack that. So that way I can realize that God sees me. God knows me. God loves me despite me. That I don't have to climb a ladder to get him to pay attention to me. That he loves the character of me and is I don't I don't need to dress this up so that you know I can um so that I can then you know be the the person that God has called me to be. Like I don't have to, you know, um I don't have to, you know, continue to put myself out there, you know, to get the type of to get attention from people. Because I have that because God's attention has been internally secure. But I need to go through the pain points. I need to go through the pain points so that I can see what God is taking me through. So that I can see what God has done for me. So I can see what God is trying to accomplish in my life. You know, the guy that just came on, Mark, I don't know if he's still on because I muted him because every time he come on here with that foolishness, you know, I'm going to give him that nice little mute button until he gets, until he, you know, stops the blasphemy. But it is what it is. But I'm grateful that he said what he said because he said that Jesus sinned and and just, and he's a, he was a man just like us. I love how scripture just, you know, just lets us know, you know, you can believe it if you want to, but according to the God that we serve, 
he does not because it says right here in verse number 15 to 16, which goes to the point in the heart of the matter for us. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Furthermore, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm not, sorry, chapter 5, verse number 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, we have a high priest in Jesus who knows everything that we're going through. But unlike Mark and his blasphemous self, Christ did not sin. And so we're grateful. We're grateful to God that he knows everything that we've gone through. And is saying, let us, as the people of God, draw boldly to him exposing the pain points that we're going through or the pain points that we've endured so that we can deepen our relationship with him because he knows everything that we've gone through. He's been through everything that we've gone through and can sympathize with us because he knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we've been, what we've endured. He knows what we've suffered. He knows what we have endured and as a result of that, he knows exactly what we need. I mean, he's already known it anyway, but he understands it on a humanity level, understands exactly what we need and what it will take for us to get to where, he, to where we want to be in him. So don't despise the pain points. Don't despise the issues. Don't despise the problems. Instead, lean forward into God, lean forward into Christ and allow Christ to enter into that space, enter into the space of your soul and recognize that he has the power to undo the pain, to undo the hurt, to undo the issues, to undo the problems, to undo any and all situations and circumstances that we have going on in our lives. God is such a great, a great and good God to us that he is willing to enter and step into the fray to show us where he is and to show us what he has accomplished for us and to give us the solve for our souls. We have the power. We have the power by the power of the Holy Spirit to, be, to engage in a space, to engage in the space of the pain so that we can come out pure gold. Weeping may indeed endure for a night, but, we, but God promises us that joy does come in the morning. And so we as the people of God have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that we are giving God, giving God the opportunity to show us exactly what's going on and to show us exactly what he's calling us to do. Um, as an aside, this would probably be the, let me see. Uh, 
Yes, this will be the one time that I'm going to address the Gaza situation. I've already addressed it once before, but I'm going to address it from this, from this angle as well. You know, people are so quick to say, if God is so good, why did he allow what happened in Gaza to happen? And so my response to that is simple. In order for God to eradicate what happened in, um, in Gaza, he would have to eradicate you and me. He would literally have to start over. And so I thank God that he had enough mercy to wait for me to say yes to him. Because God could have easily hit the reset button. Could have easily said, you know what? I'm just do it all, I'm just do it all over again. And yet he had enough patience, thought enough of me, thought enough of you to say, I'm going to wait. Yeah, he could easily eradicate everything off this earth, everything evil. But in order to do that, he would have to eradicate you and me. Because we are evil. We are born into sin, born into iniquity, born into darkness. You know, we want so badly to sit on the throne and tell God how he's supposed to act. God, if you're so good, God, if you this, God, if you that, dude. If God were if God were to do what you're suggesting, that means he would have to get rid of you too. If he if he's if he's going to get rid of what happened in Gaza, he's got to get rid of what happened to you what happens to you and me too. So, again, you know, be mad. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. But trust and believe that what happened in Gaza is the result of sin. And God has enough patience with all of us that he's willing to give us a chance. And I thank God that he took a chance on me. I, took, I thank God that he took a chance on us. Because he could have easily have just hit the reset button and just said, you know what, to, to, to heck with it. I'm just going to burn it all up. And, every, and let everybody be doomed. Because none of us are deserving of the kingdom. And if, it were, and if it were up to the law of God, then so be it. None of us would enter into the kingdom. None, all of us would, would burn. And so God thought it not robbery to give us an opportunity to be able to say yes to him. And so that's why what happened has happened. And sorry, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, unless you have a relationship with God, you are not going to understand this stuff. Which leads us to the next section of our of our show, question from the chat. Someone asked the question, will there be a will there be sin in heaven? And furthermore, this person also um also asked, um is heaven truly paradise? Again, I preface my quote by, by preface what I'm about to say by saying this, unless you have a relationship with God, you will never understand what it is that we're saying. For as it says in first Corinthians chapter two, these things have been revealed by the spirit. These things have been revealed by the spirit. So unless you have the spirit of God reigning and ruling inside your heart, the seed of God having been planted in your heart, 
and it germinates into a relationship with him where he's transformed the heart of stone to a heart of flesh, you are never going to understand what God is what God is saying to us. And so with that in view, here's what I have to say about the question, will there be sin in heaven? The sentiment, the, the, the question, the question is being asked from the wrong place. It's, it's, it's in, 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 in terms, at least how I'm thinking about it, because the question isn't so much, will there be sin in heaven? Because the obvious answer is no, right? Like we know heaven is where sin is not. So we know, so it's like we know. So the question really is, what will we get to do in heaven, right? Because there's some people who want what their version of heaven is. That's that. That's what that's that's what the question is really asking, right? Like, can I do what I want to do in heaven? And what you want to do might not be godly. And so the question is, is heaven paradise is really asking the question is what I think paradise is going to be what heaven is when I get there. There are three things in particular that heaven is that we can be guaranteed of beyond that. That's a conversation between you and God. And again, unless you have a relationship with God, you are not going to understand the things that God is trying to say. So with that in view, there are three things in particular that, 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 are, that are guaranteed in heaven. So I can already tell you, we're not going to have wings. So we're not going to be flying around like angels. So go ahead and dismiss that from your mind. That is not what heaven is. We're not going to have harps. We're not going to be playing in the heavenly skies. No, that's not what heaven is. So if you're thinking you're going to get two wings and going to fly away, that is not, that's not going to happen. We are not flying anywhere in heaven. God has not given us wings. We are not going to be angels. All right. So, and, and so I'm sorry if you got this idea that grandma's watching over you right now. I'm sorry. That is not so. She is asleep. And she will be asleep until God calls us all to glory. And so there's no heavenly angels watching over you right now in the form of your grandma, your granddaddy, auntie and them. I'm sorry if I got to bust the bubble. But that is not what heaven is. And that is not where their souls are right now. Their souls are asleep waiting for the great day when the great trumpet blows. And then we're all called up to be with the Lord. Now, the new heavens and the new earth. God is going to eradicate or rather not eradicate purify everything that we see heaven and earth is going to pass away there is a clock ticking on earth and even earth itself knows it's groaning as it says in romans chapter 8 with longing for the redemption of the sons of and the sons and daughters of god because it knows that once we're redeemed for real for real they, the whole creation is going to be redeemed too it's going to look, it's going to look better, be better than it's ever been in its entirety. It's going to be Eden 2.0, but it's going to cover the whole world. The whole spreading of the whole thing, multiplying, being fruitful and multiplying, it's going to be over the entire earth. It's going to be better than it's ever been before. So new heavens and new earth, everything's going to be made new. Everything's going to be brand new. Everything's going to be started over. 
Every, the new creation that we are in the spirit will happen in the natural. We're going to have a new home. Earth is going this place right here, but purified. Better than it's ever been before. Again, we're not going to be flying in the sky. We're not going to be angels, none of that type of stuff. No, we're going to be walking on walking the earth. Now, how fast or how slow will depend on God and these bodies that he gives us, which is the second point. We're going to be here in the new, in the new earth. This is going to be our home. We're we still going to be here on earth. And, um, you know, the new Jerusalem's coming down. The holy city is going to be magnificent, fantastic. Going to be looking like the Crystal Palace, but 20 times better. Think Rainbow Road in, in Mario Kart, but infinity percent better, appealing to the eyes. Just going to be awesome. Now, um, we're going to have resurrected bodies. I don't, so I'm hoping mine comes with a six pack. Right now, I got, I'm a little tubby. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little stomach. And so I'm hoping I get a six pack. I'm, and I'm hoping that, you know, I may get, you know, some, some better guns. That's what I'm hoping for. But at the end of the day, I don't care. You know, whatever little resurrection body that God gives me to God be the glory that I got one. Because the great thing about it is it's never going to die. It's never going to perish. It's never going to get old and gray and wrinkly. Never going to have grays in the beard. You know, you know we're not going to have these frown faces that just show up out of nowhere all the time. We're going to be, we're going to be looking like the daggum models, you know, that are all, that plastered all over the place, you know, with their perfect bodies and whatnot. You know, that's, that's the, the resurrection bodies that we have is they're never going to perish. They're never going to go away. Our spirits will inhabit resurrection bodies. These bodies will never perish, never die, never go away. The greatest part about heaven, though, is that even though we're in a resurrected body, even though we're in a, in a resurrected place, we get to be with the Lord. We get to be with the Lord where there is no more sin, no more darkness, no more heartache, no more pain. We get to be with the Lord. That is the greatest part of being in heaven. That's the best part. We get to be with the Lord. So when people often ask the question, if God be so good, why would he create hell? Hell is reserved for people who don't want anything to do with him. Because if you don't want anything to do with him now, why would you want to spend eternity with him? Because eternity is literally eternity. It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If you don't want anything to do with him now, why would you want to spend eternity with him? Make it make sense. The math ain't mathing. So we get to be with the Lord. That's the best part of heaven. We get to finally be with him. And again, we get to be with him in a world where sin is not. We got to remember what sin really is, is doing things our way. That's all really sin is. I want to do things my way. I don't want to do things God's way. I want to do things my way. And so when we're in heaven, we're going to do things God's way and not have the desire to do them our way. That desire to do things our way is gone. That, that impetus to want to usurp the throne of God and sit on it ourselves and act like we are the greatest treasure that God, that, that we're the greatest thing ever, that, you know, we're the greatest thing in this universe. That idea is gone. We will have the mind of David when he said, who is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you are thoughtful of him? Why do you even care about me the way that you do? Instead of, well, you know, if God be so good, then why? 
then why? And sit on the throne as if God is God is supposed to sit in our judgment. We won't have that posture. We won't have that desire. We won't have that impetus. We won't have the desire to put something else in God's place on the throne of our hearts. That desire is gone. We truly get to be who God called us to be and do things his way and his way only. There's no pull to go in an opposite direction. That's what sin is. Sin is simply saying, I know better than God. When you go back to Adam and Eve, what were they saying when they, when they decided to eat off that tree? I know better than God. That's sin. That's why I say, even the people that were, who are the best people in this world, the nicest people in this world, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they are doomed. Because at the end of the day, they are still doing things their way. It's not God's way. And again, we as the people of God, our heart's posture can be such to where we want to do things contrary to how God wants them done. It's why we need God's heart to be able to even do things the way he wants us to do it in the first place. That's why he said, I got to take out the heart of stone and put in the heart of flesh and pour my spirit into you to cause you to walk in my precepts. Because if it was up to you, you do what you want to do. So he tells us, I'm not going to, I, 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 once you get to heaven, I, the, the desire to do things your way will be gone. So again, I say that to, to say, will there be sin in heaven? The answer is no, but you're not asking the question, right? The question, the question that you're really asking is, will I get to do what I want to do in heaven? And the thing that I, and, and the caveat is, what I want to do in heaven, God says I can't do here. Oh my gosh. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are asking God to give us his spirit, give us his heart, give us his mind to walk out the things that we do in this, wor in this world as if we're in heaven already. That's, a, mm, that's good stuff. We are to walk out what we do here on earth as if we are in heaven. We're asking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into doing, thinking, acting, feeling the way that he, the way that he does. One day, we're going to be in a world where that's all we do. Think like him. Act like him. Feel like him. Speak like him. So we're asking him, God, as it is in heaven... 
your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, your will be done on this earth. So give me the heart. Give me the mind. Give me the will. Give me the soul. Give me the clarity to walk out your will. As if there is no sin. Because you have taken my sin and nailed it to the cross. And I died. So it's no longer I who live. But it's the Christ who lives in me. So as he lives and reigns in my heart, allow me to walk in your will, your perfect will, the perfect will of God, Romans 12 and 2, to walk in the perfect will of God as if I'm already in heaven. Because your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is it that you want to do that is outside of the will of God that you're wanting to do in heaven? That is the question you have to ask yourself. Because apparently there's something that you want to do that God's already said, uh-uh, no, nah, we ain't doing that. And so you're asking the question, can I, can, is, can, is, is heaven really going to be paradise? Because I want to do something in heaven that, I, that God's saying I can't do here. And my version of paradise allows me to do what I want to do. But if you're really seeking heaven, then your desire is God's will. And that's what you want to do more than anything else. Because what makes heaven paradise is that Jesus is there. What makes heaven paradise is that the desire to do evil and the desire to do sin and the desire to do wrong is not there. That our desire is to please God, to delight in God, to glorify God, to live in his precepts, to live in his ways, to live under his rule, to live under his authority, to live as if he is king because he is king. And that is a joy for the believers. We're shout to the rooftops to know that I can worship the Lord and not have to worry about something else pulling on my heart. Hallelujah. To know that I ain't got to worry about whether or not, you know, I'm putting God first. I ain't got to worry about that no more because it's always going to be first and there's nothing else that I want and there's nothing pulling on me to try to try to usurp the throne. Hallelujah. I long for the day. I'm tired. I'm tired of sin. Tired of you know, these trip wires that are that are wrought in my heart that I've constantly fallen over time and time again. Sick of that mess. So again, I say all that to say, unless you are a believer in God, this ain't gonna make sense. Nevertheless, we as the people of God, we believe that with heaven, we get to live in the new earth that God's creating for us. We get to have resurrected bodies be in communion of saints, we get to be with Jesus, and we get to do his will without the pull of sin trying to pull us away from that. And to God be the glory that he has given us that space, that he's given that to us, and he's given us a heart that loves him enough to where we can walk out his will on earth as it is in heaven. 
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, our good news, our something praiseworthy today as we wrap up our show today, um, is coming out of California. Um, California law aims to confront the crisis of missing black children and young people by creating a what's called the Ebony, the Ebony Alert. California recently passed a new law creating an Ebony Alert, a notification system that will keep the public informed about missing black children and young people in an effort to address the disparity in missing persons cases. The Ebony Alert system, which will be used for black people aged 12 to 25, takes effect in California on January 1st, 2024, when it will become the first statewide program of its kind in the country. California's legislation will allow law enforcement agencies across the state to submit requests directly to California Highway Patrol to activate an ebony alert, which will notify the public about incidents involving black children and young people who are reported missing under unexplained or suspicious circumstances or who have been abducted. The alert will also apply to situations where the missing person is disabled, cognitively impaired, or otherwise at risk. Highway Patrol will then activate the alert within a designated geographic area as requested by the investigating law enforcement agency and assist the agency by disseminating specific alert messages and signs if the department concurs with the agency that an ebony alert will be an effective tool in the investigation of a missing person according to specified factors. Um, similar to an amber alert, that means an ebony alert could be displayed on electric signs along roads and highways. Television, cable, online, radio, and social media outlets are also encouraged to pick up and share more widely the information in an alert. Um, advocacy groups and policymakers, both within and outside of just California, have criticized the Amber Alert system for, looking, for overlooking missing children who are black, despite the fact that black children make up a significant portion of missing persons across the country. California's Ebony Alert system aims to address the racial disparity. It will allow it will apply to children again and young people ages twelve to twenty-five. Um as um as California lawmakers hope to confront a disproportionate number of young black women who are missing. At least thirty-nine percent of children reported missing in the United States in twenty twenty two were black, according to the Black Missing Foundation, which said one hundred and fifty-three thousand three hundred and seventy-four children of color were still missing across the country as of October eleventh. That figure included people younger than 18 who are African-American, Asian, and Indian. Quote, a lot of minority children are initially classified as runaways and as a result do not receive the Amber Alert, the foundation writes on its website, while mi missing minority adults are labeled as associated with criminal involvement, gangs, and drugs. Statistics for adults reported missing in the U.S. last year showed at least 39% were um, were people of color, and so this is a, this is a, again an awesome thing that's happened. It's sad, um, that you know again there has to be a separate thing altogether, um, when it just ought to be across the board one system that serves all. But nevertheless, we li we live in the world that we live in, and the circumstances are what they are. And just as it was said in the report, a lot of times, you know, the stereotype is that they're either running away or they're involved in gang activity or that they're involved in the law in some type of way. And so they're overlooked and dismissed. And so I'm thankful that California is once again stepping into that fray and saying we need to do something about this. 
And so I'm thankful um, that they have been the first and probably will be the first of many that will set something like this up. So that way black children, um, you know, children of color uh, will get the same type of um, of spotlight put on them as, you know, as as the majority. Um, and as a result of that, you know, maybe more of our children can be found um, um, more so than has ever been before. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful that they're stepping up to, to be the first, um, to do that. And so I'm grateful and I'm thanking God for it because again, a lot of our children go missing all the time and, and thankful that, you know, despite what the circumstances might be, who cares what the circumstances are, who cares if they're a runaway, who cares if they're involved in gang activity, who cares if they're, you know, involved in criminal activity, who gives a flip, find the children, doesn't matter. Find the children. That, that, that's all that matters. And so I'm grateful again that California has stepped up and is trying their hardest to um to to get us in a situation where they can um they can actually take care of and find those children. Um and so give me one second. I want to do something. Um see if I can get this to work. That is not what I meant to do. Lord have mercy. That's not what I meant to do. Um, let me see. Nope. Nope. Um, no, I'm not trying to be a ghost. Stop that. Okay. All right. So, um, so I hope y'all can still see me. Um, so we have a, 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 a friend on the show by the name of Asha. Um, Ashe, um, who is Ashe? Um, she has, um, you know, expressed a desire for help in a situation that she has going on with one of her family members right now. Um, over the course of, of the weekend, they had a, a very tragic situation to take place. And, 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 and again, she doesn't have the following like I do. Um, and I don't have the following like a lot of people do, but I do have a following nonetheless. And so as you can see, um, this is, um, Ashe's down at the bottom of the screen. Um, she has a GoFundMe page that she has, that she has put up, um, asking for help to get, um, her family member, um, transported to, um, um, to their home. Um, her family member passed away suddenly. Um, and so she's asking for any type of assistance that can be given in this regard. She said, if you go to the GoFundMe, um, and look up that, um, particular one, um, that, you know, that any of the funds that are given will be, um, help to get that family member back home. Um, and to also, um, any leftover funds will be put in a trust for, um, that for the, for the little girl, um, who is now um, motherless right now. And so again, I wanted to um, put this up here and I'm challenging all of us starting today, starting right now, um, any funds that you give for the, for the course of this next, over the course of these next um, five days, those funds will go directly to her. Um, and so um, I'm not asking for a specific amount from anyone, but any dollar amount that you have, any cent amount that you have, any gifts that you do give um, to this um, site will all go straight to her to help her to get her family member home so that they can properly funeralize her. Um, and so again, if any of you are feeling the desire or the urge to want to give to that cause, by all means, 
Um, again, look up that. Um, look up. Um, go. You can. I. You can actually go to her page. Um, and I'm gonna type her page in right now. Um, let me see if I can. Yep. Yeah, I'm just gonna do this right here. At who? Come on, come on. Um, if you go to her page right now, um, you will be you will be given the opportunity and ability to be able to help her out in this cause um, and help her to be get, again be able to get her family member home. And so again, I'm just hoping that we are in a position to be able to help in any way that we can. And in doing so, give her the um the the help that she needs in order to get her family member home. Um, again, um, it's just a tragic a tragic situation. You can go to her page right now and see um you know see the 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 post that she put up. Um, follow her. Um, you know I got I got forty I got forty five hundred followers. Again, I know only thirty four people are watching right now, but go follow her. I mean, outside of this situation, she's just a bomb person to know. And so go and follow her right now. Let's get her follows up. Um, so that way she can be doing her thing, um, you know, as far as trying to put the gospel message out there in song. Um, but again, I'll be making this announcement every day um, over the next um, several days um, that any gift amount that you give to this show will go straight to her. Again, I don't I don't I'm not collecting the money. I'm not collecting any money anyway. I make my own money pay my own bills, got my own job. So I don't need anybody's money. Um, but again, you know, just want to be a help to her in any way that we can. And so if you're willing, again, I'm going to move over. So that way you guys can see it again. Ashe is down at the bottom of the screen in the situation, um, in the situations that her family member passed away suddenly, and they're trying to get her, um, her body transported, um, to, um, to her hometown. So that way they can give her a proper funeral, um, and take care of her, um, her little girl. And so again, if you are feeling compelled by God, um, to give in this, in this, in any way, shape or form, feel free to, um, to, um, to give through this ministry, to give through this ministry, through your gifts, or to go straight to that site itself and give to that site. Either way, um, just be a blessing to her in a mighty and powerful way. And again, I'll be making this announcement over the course of this week that we try to help her out as best as we can. All right. And again, I do thank y'all so, so much um, for the opportunity to be able to, um, to, you know, to, to share that with you guys on today. Um, let me see how to, um, nope, that's not what I meant to do. Um, okay. Oh, there we go. All right. Cool. All right. Listen, I want to thank you guys so, so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys on today on the True Gospel Morning Show. Thank you for every like. Thank you for every follow. Thank you for every share. Thank you for every comment. I thank you guys so, so much for giving me this space to be able to worship with you guys in spirit and truth. Um, and I'm grateful, so grateful for each and every one of you for just allowing me some time in your in your busy morning to um to give you guys some inspiration to go about your day and do what you have to do in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.